1: Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash
0: features a three in one formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak free shine. It keeps you seeing safely all year long. Pick up some at Walmart today.
1: See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. Hey, this is Mick Jones, a foreigner, and you're listening to Pansy and Podcast. History in Five Songs, with host Martin Popov, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are part of this vast Pantheon Podcast network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcasts podcast platforms. All right. Um, this is episode 88. I'm going to be calling this one kiss and trends. Um, I thought to call it my kiss autobiography and this is why. Okay. Here's why I didn't call it that because that sounds really, really pompous. It's like I'm part of kiss or whatever. My kiss autobiography doesn't make a lot of sense. Although it is kind of enigmatic and might make you think, what the heck is he talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Um, people have asked me many times, would I ever do a kiss book? And then people even ask me, would I ever do an autobiography, right? So the reason I haven't done a KISS book is there's so many KISS books out there and there are so many people that are much more of an expert on KISS than I am. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, I I don't really have tons and tons of interviews with the guys. I have a handful. Um, but... Um, moving on to the other, you know, people have asked me, would you ever do an autobiography? And it's like a big hell no. Who the hell cares about my life? It's pretty dull. Um, But um, I did actually start a project that was a combination of an autobiography and a KISS book because the special thing about my relationship with KISS is that they are probably the first band or the only band uh, or, you know, or w- one of the main bands. I, I suppose Rush is a little bit this way too. But um, So Kiss is the band that has been around for my entire woke music listening life. So the first album came out when I was 11. I kind of, I think I knew it was coming. So somehow I knew about Kiss even before that album came out. So I was starting to be a crazy, you know, music fan maniac. Um, but I definitely got it as a new release. Um so I've been there for every Kiss album as a new release since I was 11. So this is the band that I consider um that that I uh, I had this idea that I would write about um my life in relationship to every Kiss album and the year it came out and what was happening in music and what was happening out in the world and what I was going through at that particular year all along the way right up until um, you know the modern day which really only takes us actually to 2012 now for records which is now nine years ago um, for Monster right October 9th 2012 but uh, anyways, so that's the cool thing about KISS. And the, and the other band that strikes me in this same way is that the Rolling Stones are the only band that has been around my entire life. So, so 1963, I was born. So around, around there, I don't know when the Stones started exactly. But the point is, uh, they're, they're the only band that is um, kind of still going, that I paid attention to, that I was there for every album, you know, watching this band for their, you know, not their entire career, but my, you know, they've been around for my entire life. So, so kiss since I was 11 and stone since I was born kind of thing. So that's the idea, but yeah. So I had that idea about, um, I would write this, this autobiography mixed with kiss and it would be a little bit like, uh, you know, Chuck Klosterman's, uh, excellent, uh, you know, far, Fargo, Detroit, rocks, rock city, whatever Fargo, rock city. I think it's called, right? Um, so yeah, so so this episode is kind of the same episode as uh, explaining that book in a way. Um, so My Kiss Autobiography, you could call it that. But no, we are going to be calling this uh, Kiss and Trends. Um, so uh, I'll explain a little more as I go along. Um, well, I'll explain a little bit now. So this is a little bit about uh, examples of um, Kiss following trends. Maybe not so much following, even making the odd trend. Um but mostly about Kiss reflecting what's going on in the music world as they move through life, you know, and they have kind of a canny, wily sense of the business. Um, they, they see what's happening, and uh, let's try that too kind of thing. Um, so these are all examples of that. Um, actually, let's, let's start with our first track here. So this is Watching You from Hotter Than Hell, issued October 27, 1974. This album went gold. Watching You. Take a listen. right so here i don't i don't want to like stress that kiss is following a trend so much here like number one they absolutely set a trend when it came to um the the stage show i mean they were they were trendsetters in making the stage show bigger and bolder and brasher and you know smoke and leather and fire and and grease paint and all that stuff face paint um but this idea of doing this kind of music at this time, I think, is a little bit not so much following a trend, but at least a good idea, because um, you had you had a little bit of a void in the in the American heavy metal hard rock realm with Mountain and Cactus kind of fizzling, but you did have the rise and uh, and somewhat of a success, or at least people were talking about the likes of Blue Oyster Cult, the New York Dolls. Um, Montrose had a, had a first ripping debut album in 1973. Aerosmith debuted in 1973. Um, you had the continue success, continued success of what was going on overseas with Black Sabbath being a big band and Zeppelin and In Your Eye Heap. Uh, Deep Purple is going through a bit of trouble at this point. But uh, anyways, they come back with Burn uh, in 74, right? Um So, uh, hard rock is kind of a good idea and Kiss's form of hard rock is actually reflected in the success of another band, uh, because I even listened, you know, when I was putting this together and listening to watching you again, I'm thinking, dang, these guys sound like BTO. This is like Bachman Turner Overdrive hard rock, right? And that's another band that was doing kind of, kind of decent at this time. Um, you know, well, actually at this point they're going through all their, all their greatest period, right? With, uh, with Not Fragile and BTO2 and Bachman Turner Overdrive and all that stuff, right? Um... having a lot of hits. Um, so, so KISS sounds a little bit like that. Um, but if they're not following a trend, um, they're at least diving in with a, with a type of music that has some excitement around it and is, and is accepted and is not a bad commercial idea. Right. Um, and before we move on to our next track, um, I want to mention a couple things along the way in chronological order here. Um, they do they do a big double live album, right? Um, now, are they following a trend because you know uh, there has been success with uh, with the likes of the Almond Brothers uh, at the Fillmore? Uh, at, I I never get these titles exactly right because they're complicated. But there's both there's both the Humble Pie and there's both the Almond Brothers. Um, so there's success with this double live idea, and Kiss is coming in there with that. Are they following a trend? I don't know. It's 19. 19- 75. It's early. Um, It's just, but it turned out to be a great idea um and the next trend before we move on to the 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 next thing i don't want to dwell on it too long but they did try their hand at disco with uh, i was made for loving you and that uh, that single did great and that album uh was a was a, a a hit too it went platinum right uh driven by that single because people didn't like a ton of the stuff on the rest of it it didn't that album didn't review particularly well for them either um love the album cover really cool album cover on that um so anyways there there's a couple that there's a there's a flagrant following of trend right in there and a lot of bands tried the whole disco thing i think i did a whole episode on that or or at least novelty uh novelty singles i i believe we talked about disco in that um okay let's move on to our second track and uh and we shall discuss how this is following a trend this is talk to me from unmasked may 20th 1980 this album went gold talk to me Starts to quiver and shake. I get a strange sensation when you walk by me. You strut around. You make me crazy. I get no. All right. That's talk to me and I'll talk to you. So this is the idea of, um, kiss deciding. And this is a little bit mixed with unmasked, but kiss deciding that the hard rock thing is done like dinner. Uh, that ship is, uh, that ship has sailed. Um, and, uh, you know, Aerosmith is possibly running out of steam a little bit. Ted Nugent might be running out of steam a little bit at this point. Uh, we see what happens with uh, with the likes of, uh, well, Rex breaks up. Derringer goes poppy. Stars goes really poppy. Blue Oyster Cult kind of makes their, uh, you know, semi-poppy whatever. I don't, I don't believe it. But, you know, Mirrors is considered a little bit going poppy versus the earlier stuff, whatever. Um, but so, so a lot of hard rock bands around this time. Are, uh, are saying this thing is, is over, you know, this golden era of doing this stuff, 75, 76, 77 is over, uh, you know, punk has happened, uh, but it didn't really happen in the States, over here we get power pop, um, so skinny tie, new wave, power pop, uh, you know, heavy metal's looking a little oldy and moldy, um, so this unmasked album is a little bit, a little bit new york street but a little bit almost like lou reed new york street mixed with power pop mixed with skinny tie new wave everything's just kind of like dialed down a little bit and this one here has that real kind of new york vibe this album is a lot better than uh than i always remembered it as cuz as kids we just we just hated it but okay so this is the trend of kiss um basically abandoning hard rock because it seems like it's a good idea to mature and try something different all right let's take a quick break we'll be right back all right martin popoff back again history and five songs with martin popoff um we are uh talking about kiss and trends episode 88 let's take a listen to our third track and we shall discuss this is war machine from creatures in the night october 28th 82 this album went gold as well war machine All right, so what's going on here? This is kind of fascinating, and I've always wondered this. This is a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, as as deep or sincere as a as a Kiss scholar and an expert to uh, to have gone and researched the answer to this question. But um, so Kiss is uh, coming back with Creatures of the Night. And it's a very heavy album, much heavier than what has come before. Their heaviest album uh, to date uh, to this point, uh, for sure. And arguably, you know, everything moving forward is kind of in this same zone. It's not way heavier than than all the rest of the Kiss albums moving forward. I think that's a little bit of a misconception. Um, anyways, uh, this record, so so eighty two. It's kind of fascinating. So the mystery I've always wondered is how much were they cognizant of? and influenced by the new wave of british heavy metal i would suspect not very much because they're such an american-centric band and they don't have their finger on the pulse that much they are big rock stars i think they're a little bit clueless uh, even when they follow all these trends uh, or another way to put it is they'll follow trends that are put right in front of their face i don't think the new wave of british heavy metal felt right in front of their face but um, what I think they are following here as a trend is um, they are noticing the success of Ozzy Osbourne in America. Um, they are noticing the success of uh, Black Sabbath again in America with Ronnie James Dio, Heaven and Hell fronting. Um, you know, Mob Rules is out by this time as well. I think they're noticing the success of Scorpions through the likes of uh, Love Drive, Animal Magnetism and Blackout. Um, they're noticing the success of Judas Priest from, uh, from basically British Steel through Point of Entry, but but you know most notably the Screaming for Vengeance era, and uh, and the you know the rise of a band like Iron Maiden, and maybe even a little Saxon put in, and maybe a little Motorhead. So again, I think uh, what they're seeing here, uh, which is really cool, I I think they're they're getting in on this heavy metal thing, right at the right time early enough because the new wave of British heavy metal has only been going for two years at this point, but this is all pre hair metal. So it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, in a way they're following a heavy metal trend and going back, uh, you know, to, to this thing after, after the whole power pop direction sort of failed. I, I, I neglected to mention elder in there as well. Elder is not neither neither power pop or heavy metal it's it's more known because it's a concept album more than anything but i I don't think it really fits in this trend thing very much um but um so the cool thing here is that is that um they're actually they've actually got three waves of relationship to hair metal which is kind of neat and i'm I'm actually going to skip i'm not going to do a song for the hair metal trend but i'm going to mention it so i'm going to mention it here because our next song is way up into carnival of souls 1997 so so the next trend so here they are very early on hair metal so you could say they're setting the trend for hair metal or they're late uh and being influenced by the new wave british heavy metal but like i say i think my theory is um they're more they're more reflecting on creatures of the night the the uh the success of heavy metal albums right in front of their face that's my that's my theory um so the next thing they do is they jump on the hair metal trend, but they jump on right when the golden period of that is all happening, with the likes of Lick It Up and Animalize. So that so the so the early stages of the hair metal thing, they're in there like a dirty shirt, following that trend. So here here we are back on point with this episode, uh, or or still on point, um, you know, more underscoring it and adding more to it. Next, um, they are actually um, right in there like a dirty shirt on later hair metal when hair metal gets crappy and it starts folding in upon itself and being a parody of itself with the likes of KISS albums that people don't like very much like Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade. They're always way up the list of worst KISS albums and uh, they are right in there destroying hair metal uh for grunge to come around uh along with all the bands that usually get the credit for destroying hair metal your your 3w's your winger warrants and white snakes uh alice cooper at this point i think uh is exactly like kiss destroying hair metal with kind of crappy hair metal albums um so uh so so they're there starting hair metal they're there at the beginning of hair metal and they're there at the end destroying hair metal so there's three areas related to hair metal um next trend is when they essentially do the go to vancouver and try harder album even though they don't go to vancouver to do it but revenge is exactly like that whole episode i did earlier of history in five songs where we talked about uh the likes of who is it Whitesnake, bon jovi motley crew a few other ones there i think jackal went to vancouver um so these late period hair metal albums that are actually really good, um, and, and they've tried hard and they've turned in some of their best material in years. So, so when hair metal is, is going down the dumpers and being replaced by a way more exciting and cooler music grunge, I love grunge. I thought it was amazing. Um, but during that time, so you're, so your sort of 91, 92 period, you know, to, to generalize, um. That's when you got some of these really good albums and Kiss did an amazing album called Revenge at that time. Great album, always pretty high up the lists. It's just a really good, fun, well put together professional Kiss album produced by Bob Ezrin. Um, And then our next trend uh, is Kiss does an Unplugged album. So Unplugged becomes a big thing. Uh, So they do one um, March 12th, 1996. It comes out, it goes gold underscoring the success of them following that trend. Um, and now we're up to our fourth track. So let's go with our fourth track. This is uh, Rain. Take a listen. Tell me Right, so rain is from Carnival of Souls. Now, this only sold 181,000 copies, uh, you know, roughly uh, in uh, in the states. So it's far from gold. It had that, that weird album cover. Um, it was all talked about how it was old material, but we're gonna release this anyways. In fact, of the matter is, it's not that old. Uh, it came out October 28, 97, but it was recorded November 95 through to February 96. So yeah, I guess almost almost two years old, right? Um, but uh, the idea here is that this is absolutely KISS following the grunge trend. We did a whole episode of Hair Metal Goes Grunge, I think I even called it, uh, where a lot of these bands from hair metal, be it an old band being a hair metal band like KISS, or even a younger band like like the likes of Your Warrant or Dawkin, um, not so much Slaughter, I suppose, uh, Def Leppard in the middle. Um, so all these bands tried to, uh, to adopt some of the good ideas and good instincts of, of grunge and kiss again, right in there, like a dirty shirt, um, doing a really grungy album I mean this is this is this is so many of the grunge tropes just taken care of uh, on on this record and I actually kind of like it because I'm a sucker for hair metal bands doing grunge albums and uh, and when I look at kiss lists this is uh this is quite a bit of a love it or hate it kiss album it's either quite far up people's lists or it's way down at the bottom because of people hating grunge and possibly again, kiss, uh, hating kiss following trends. Uh, that, that's another thing that annoys people about kiss. Um, so this was, this was a flagrant, shameless, uh, approach to try the grunge thing. Uh, absolutely. There's no other way uh, of looking at it. All right. Um, our next trend, I'm not going to play a song here, but there's another trend chronologically in here. Um, July 22nd, uh, 2003, they put out Kiss Symphony Alive 4. Um, so here they are following the, hey, let's uh, get together with the symphony. Deep Purple did it, Metallica did it, Yes did it, uh, all sorts of bands did it, tons of them. I hated every single one of those records. I think it's the stupidest thing in the world. It, it To me, I, I've often said it sounds like the band playing, but, but across the room there's a radio station set to a classical station. You're hearing these two dissonant things playing together. What is the point? Uh, there's a whole uncomfortable thing about generation gap and the old people trying to look cool and classical people trying to find a use for their life in the rock world and blah 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 and and then the band itself being very pretentious thinking their songs are on a classical level there's all this back and forth that that none of it uh makes any sense to me and and none of it seems uh to be good intentioned really it's it's there's nothing very creative about it um yeah, I just I just don't like anything about it. So Kiss went and did that. I believe that was recorded in in Australia, wasn't it? Um, when they were doing this thing, so there they are following another trend. Um, you know, another funny thing along the way is this idea of you had this big successful live album that everybody called called Alive, issued in nineteen seventy five. So what do they do? They have a live two. They have a live three. Um, they have a live four, right? And uh, and even along the way. Um, you know, Live 3 is considered one of these bloated corporate, um, you know, uh, live albums. So, so that's a bit of a trend. Bands always have that. But no, I I, I find it a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if you call it a trend or just like a, like a, you know, a, a silly commercially corporate kind of thing to to name all your live albums after your original, uh, you know, great live album or whatever. All right. Um, let's move on. Track 5 here in History and 5 Songs. Take a listen to this. And we shall discuss this is Eat Your Heart Out from Monster, issued October 9th, 2012. Take a listen, Eat Your Heart Out. something that gets me jumping. I got something wanna talk about. so this is an interesting trend um and i can almost see doing a whole episode on this but um this is the trend of old bands having gone through all the ideas and followed all the trends all along the way um coming back to just give the people what they want doing what you did in the old days but just a slightly updated version of it better recording values more songs because it's a CD, and um, you know it's not. It's not you know it's not the record days when it, when an album was 39 minutes long or whatever. Um, you know a CD has to be at least 50 minutes long, if not all the way up to the the limit, which is 80. So there's all sorts of 79 and 78 minute CDs in the world. Um, but anyways, um, so this is this is the trend of Kiss for two records. So Monster uh, sold two hundred thousand copies. It didn't do that great. Sonic Boom from two thousand nine did three hundred twenty five thousand copies. Um, but both of these records, I find the songs completely interchangeable, and these albums are completely interchangeable. This is the Tommy Thayer era, right? Um, it's interesting. I um. You know, I've, I've done a number of shows or gone on people's shows lately about KISS. And of course, we have our Contrarians uh, a YouTube channel. And we've done KISS Worst Album there where we did Psycho Circus. I don't think we've done a KISS. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick and Marco did a KISS regular episode and, and they talked about Hotter Than Hell. Um, and that was Contrarian because that's the style of that show because most people will pick. I think Destroyer usually would win the top polls in that. And then when people ignore that you're not supposed to include live, live albums, they'll always... Call Kiss Alive the greatest Kiss album, um, but uh, but no. Um, so the the whole idea with this is um, I kind of lost track of why I, I had another point there. Anyways, the idea here is that um, here's a band delivering what they did in the old days, um, and. A lot of bands do this, and in almost every case, because I'm I'm a sucker for hair metal albums doing grunge albums, I'm also a sucker for uh, the bands going back and doing what they used to do and putting all this stuff aside, putting grunge aside, putting 80s production values aside... Putting whatever. Did we try? Did we try techno pop? Did we try industrial? Cause a lot of bands did that too. Um, did we try, like I say, the flagrant eighties production values? Kiss didn't really do that. Uh, that's kind of a neat thing about them. They did, they did have quite a bit of keyboards. Um, they did try the keyboard thing and a lot of the outside writer thing, but, uh, um, So those are all, all other trends along the way. But, um, so this is, this is when a band puts all those trends aside. And, uh, like I say, I think it's usually a success. Um, I, off the top of my head, I think of bands like, um, Deep Purple, although Deep Purple never really abandoned what they did all along the way. That's an interesting thing about them. They, they, um, they never followed any trends. They were essentially Deep Purple all the way through, despite all the kaleidoscopic, scopic, uh, uh, lineup changes, right? Um, But Heart is a great example. Cheap Trick is a great example. Um, Who else? Uh, ah, Boy, I have a list usually. But Cheap Trick and Heart and Kiss... Alice Cooper is, is somewhat even an example, right? You could, you could put Alice Cooper down here for trying a bunch of trends along the way, because you think of the Dragon Town, that whole era, right? That was a trend. Um, kind of, kind of like a grungy, dark Marilyn Manson, semi-industrial, semi-grungy, uh, area there. Uh, and then he tried those, you know, the blackout albums are all quirky power pop, um, or, you know, just oddity stuff. So, so yeah, you could almost do a whole episode, uh, like this on Alice perhaps. Um, but, uh, so, so this is a trend as well. These bands just going back and, and becoming what they were in the old days, give the fans the same kind of music that all of our great albums were, um, and then you know <laughs> one other crazy thing about uh, you know you could say that there's a little bit of a trend at this at this point with these old bands is not putting out too many albums. So Kiss had three albums in the 90s, one in the 2000s and one in the 2010s which are now over, right? Um so they only had the one album uh Monster in tw- in the 2010s and only Sonic Boom for the for the 2000s. So that's a little bit of a thing that happens where you um you know, it's a little bit, you could say it's a little bit of a trend when a band kind of gives up on recording, or semi-gives up in Kiss's case, and just becomes a nostalgia act, you know, partially a nostalgia act. Because there's bands like Iron Maiden and Deep Purple um, who refuse to be a nostalgia act, and they put out lots of new music uh, over time, right? Um so that's kind of cool. So, so that's kind of cool for them and not so cool for kiss. Uh, ACDC is another one who just started spreading out the album so far that it became almost ridiculous, right? You almost look at them as semi-retired kind of thing. Um, So there you go, you know, and this one's like, like a exact party metal gene lyric, gene style lyric, gene style singing. They even put the cowbell in there. So it sounds like an old 70s song, right? Um, and these albums are full of that stuff. Sonic Boom and Monster. There's nothing super forward thinking about them or whatever. Um, Oh yeah, that's where I was going with that point about contrarian. Um, I've I've done a lot of shows like this, and uh, there's a lot of hostility uh, towards Monster and Sonic Boom, and some of that is the hostility towards Tommy versus Ace. There's always that war going on in the Kiss fan camp. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised how little people like these records. They come come pretty low on lists, and I would put them I would put them uh, probably. Uh, upper middle tier uh, for, for myself. Uh, I have no problem with this, but like I say, I'm a sucker for when bands do this. All right. There you go. Kiss and Trends. Uh, if you like this show and want to support future episodes, um, I... I, I love when people are contributing to the, to the Kofi, it validates me. Um, so Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff, hit that red support button, um, buy me a coffee or a pint. Again, is there's this $3 thing that is, is the, is the perfectly normal level, uh, over there. And, but I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful when people have, uh, have done, done more than that. And that happens fairly regularly. So thank you everybody. Um, But yeah, it validates what I do here and it makes this almost like a little bit like a paying job, which is kind of cool doing this podcast. Uh, So I'd like to thank uh, Joe Becht and Bel Air Expediting. This is all the recent week. Uh, Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, Simon Cole, Chris Cook Guitar, Dave Fisher, Michael Gentleman, uh, Kevin Latham, Uh, Jason Leonard, Sammy Orr, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Doug Tooley, and Roberto Vega. Thank you all for your support over there at uh, Ko-Fi. You can go to martinpopoff.com for all your heavy metal book needs. Uh, Not at my site yet, but I've been mailing them now for about three, four days, is Rebel Rouser, a sweet user manual. So I've been crazy mailing those out and uh astonished and a little uh you know it's not not as much fun uh, I, a lot of these orders for the sweet book are going uh, overseas and that's expensive shipping and complicated shipping and stressful um you know it's much easier selling books to the states for various reasons i won't go into it um and, and Canada. Actually, the States is the easiest, because I don't have to weigh it, and blah, 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 and and the rates are better. Um, anyways, um, but yeah, the Sweet Book, uh, the Angel Book is still in print, the Merciful Fate book is still in print. I'm surprised I've, I've actually lined this up for the first time ever with one of these trilogies, or dualgies, but, but the Iron Maiden trilogy, I've got Almost exactly one box left of all three of them, so I can sell lots of the full trilogy. If anybody's missing any of the Iron Maiden books, that's it for now. Martinpopoff.com over there, and uh, and yeah, go go play some Kiss, and uh, you know, let me know over at the Facebook page whether um, you know Kiss and trends is a, is a valid thing, or it ticks you off when they follow trends, or if you just think they're smart business guys for following trends. See you later at R&R Archaeology. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day, in-store and online. Find the Red Card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit target.com slash redcard to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.